Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics, which are going to educate and empower others. And give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, friends. Hope you are still rejuvenated from your spring break. Maybe the last time I talked about spring break, you weren't even on spring break and you were like, come on, Amanda. Um, Because I feel (laughs) like it used to be where we had, you know, two weeks Okay, this school district's on this break this week, this week, the other week. Now school districts have two weeks. Yep. We're like spanning a month, like I feel like, where we're talking about spring break. Um, But I think after this next week, everyone's done with spring break. So this is, again, your reminder that if there is anything that needs to get done before the end of the school year, if you need to have a transition meeting, if you need to talk about scheduling for next year, if you need to talk about, you know, concerns you have we're gearing up towards next year. If you're in a transition year, this is the time to get started on scheduling because May and June books up so fast because everybody yep. is doing it that yep. like, it's the last stretch. Everybody's yeah. tired. We can kind of, you know, at least for Californians, the weather is getting very nice. We really just have summer and I guess kind of spring fall. Like we don't really have a winter, but you know, uh, it doesn't mean that we're not feeling the effects of, of this whole school year. And, you know, I think this is really good timing to, you know, kind of gear up for the new school year, but then to also get a little bit more information, especially as to what a school board does. What is a school board? And our guest today, AJ, is, is going to help us with that. AJ, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with both of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So AJ, can you kind of give our listeners a brief introduction and a little bit of background as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, I work with schools across the country to help deploy student-led restorative practices to really invite schools to rethink how behavior is addressed and taught in schools. And I work with superintendent school boards at the governance and senior management layer to help school systems get intensely focused on improving student outcomes to to make sure that they are being strategic in how they're thinking about the deployment of resources such that it's actually a blessing to students and not just to adults. We love to hear that. And I think that for a lot of people, especially since the pandemic as well, the focus has just been on this system. And it's really just trying to fit every kid through this like circular kind of hole in the wall when so many kids are not circles. And, you know, oftentimes I'm sure I've said it a handful of times just this week, you're trying to, you know, get that square peg into this round hole and people are losing sight of being student centric, whether they have special needs or not. Can you give our listeners a bit of a definition as to, you know, if they're looking to get involved in their school board, like what even is a school board? (laughs) Yeah. So I'd start by first describing why school systems exist. So school systems exist for one reason and one reason only, and that's to improve student outcomes. It's to cause improvements in what it is that students know and that students are able to do. And so Mm -hmm. school systems don't exist for any other reason Mm -hmm. than to improve student outcomes. That's the only reason school systems exist. This is an important 
place to begin because if we're not clear on why the school systems exist, then it'll be super easy to get tripped up on why school boards exist to govern school systems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And, and unfortunately, while almost everybody would nod their head and be like, oh, yeah, certainly that's it. Certainly that's it. Then I'll start listing off other things that, that is what we actually wind up seeing school boards spend all their time on that aren't actually things that are helping us understand, are we standing in our purpose? Are we actually causing improvement to what students know and are able to do? Yeah. Um, and so often people think, oh, well, the school system exists to provide employment in the community. Mm. You know, mm. People need employment. That's what school systems are for. That's actually not why school systems exist. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, school systems you know, don't exist to have really nice buildings you know, or to have the right books or you know, to serve lunches to children. All of these are lovely things. They're mm-hmm. just, none of these are why the school system exists. But the only reason school systems exist is to improve student outcomes, is to really support students as they grow and what they know are able to do. Because when they cross that stage for the last time, mm-hmm. that's all they take with them. That is it. They won't have anything else. Mm-hmm. We're probably not going to let them take their classrooms with them. Uh, no. They're probably not going to let them take their textbooks with them. Mm-hmm. You don't get to grab your favorite teacher and take them with you. Like, when <laughs> you leave the school... All you have is what have I learned? What is it that I know? And what is it that I'm able to do? And so that's why school systems exist. And so if we're clear about that, the role of the board is to represent the vision of the community for what students should know and be able to do. Because if we say school systems exist to improve student outcomes, well, the question becomes, well, which student outcomes? Right. Somebody has to determine which student outcomes we're going to focus on, on all of the things we could possibly focus on. Somebody's got to mm-hmm. decide which things we focus on. Mm-hmm. And so the board represents to represent the vision of the community regarding which student outcomes we focus on. Yeah. But the board also re- exists to represent the values of the community. What are the non-negotiables that have to be honored on the way mm-hmm. to accomplishing the vision? And so mm-hmm. this is the work of the board to represent the vision and values of the community to represent the community's understanding of what do we want students to know and be able to do, and what are the non-negotiables about our values that have to be honored on the journey of getting to that vision. And, and so when boards actually center student outcomes in their work, mm-hmm. that creates a context in which the rest of the organization is more likely to do so as well. If the board gets intensely focused on, are we actually moving the needle for children and what they know and are able to do, Mm -hmm. then the superintendent is more likely to focus on that and senior staff is more likely to focus on that and it frees principals up to focus on that. And just trickles down. But if the board spends all of its time worrying about what's the color of the cheerleader uniform and Mm -hmm. are we having hamburgers on Thursday or tacos on Thursday? Mm -hmm. Do we have the right type of AstroTurf? When these are the things that the board focuses its time on, then these wind up being the things that the administration focuses its time on, which then pulls principals into yeah. focusing on that, which then deprives teachers of actually having people who are paying attention to what their needs are and helping them uh, be great with the students they serve. It, it, it spreads dysfunction throughout the entire organization. That's why it's absolutely critical, not only that the board be clear about why the school system exists, but then the board be clear about what its role is and then focus in on that role even though it's unpopular, focusing on a narrow set of things is always politically unpopular. Because if we say we're going to focus in on these three things, that means there's a hundred other things that we're not focusing on. Right. But not focusing of which is not going to be popular. 
And so yeah. the politically popular thing to do is just to run after whatever the loudest voice is pushing yeah. you to focus on today. Yeah. But that's not why school systems exist. Yeah, and that's right. not why school boards exist. I love that. So I know that, you know, looking at this from the perspective of, okay, it should be based on the values of the community. Most school boards are elected office, but unfortunately I think not enough people pay attention to those elections mm-hmm. and not very many people even run. I mean, I know that every time yeah. I have seen in recent years, school board elections, there's recently where I live, there's been a push and kind of some drama in the school district. So there's actually been quite a few people running, but in previous years, there haven't been that many people that run. So most people who run, who have the means to run. Mm -hmm. So we're talking people Mm -hmm. who have money or Mm -hmm. can, you know, take that position. They are the ones elected. And that's not necessarily going to share the values of the entire community. And certainly in school districts where you have a very demographic of students, socioeconomic, race, religion, abilities, all of that, we're not getting a clear picture of the values of that community. We're getting a, such a small set. So do you think that that really contributes to what these school boards focus on? Most definitely. If you have a community that is not as active and involved, mm-hmm. then it is easy for a very narrow set of perspectives within the community to hold sway. And mm-hmm. what we know from some of the literature around effective decision-making in a governance context is that here, diversity really matters. If it's a really homogenous community and there's just really kind of one group of folks, right, with one right. group of ideas, one group of perspectives, then who serves probably isn't as meaningful. But the more heterogeneous your community becomes, the more it's necessary that your board reflect that so that you get the different perspectives from all the different parts of the community so that those perspectives can be represented in the prioritization of the school system. And so it really is a meaningful thing. And I charge the board with being responsible for mm-hmm. pushing for a larger conversation about school board elections, for actively training members of the community. One of the things that we coach boards to do is that it's the board who needs to go out and train the community on what effective board work looks like and train the community on what it looks like to choose to run for the school board and on how to do so effectively. And every now and then I'll run into somebody who accidentally slips up and lets their self-interest be made clear. And Mm. they'll say, well, wait a minute. So you're saying I should be actively supporting and training people who are going to run against me. And the answer is yes. (laughs) If your commitment is to children, If your commitment to children is greater than your commitment to self, the answer to that question is only and always yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's so narrow, right? Because if the community likes what they see, then they wouldn't necessarily be running against you, right? Like, Like that is just, that's very, very narrow. So, you know, if a board is not active like that, or, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are parents and they're just like, wait, I have no idea. Where is a good place for a parent to start to either get to know their board? You know, and I think some parents just have no idea. What would you think is, is a good way, you know, going on the district website? Should they have their own website? What are some things that parents can do to gain awareness? Well, step one, you have to attend a few school board meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which may be through the website if they are being 
provided via video or online or Zoom or mm-hmm. something. But you're going to have to attend a few school board meetings just to get up to speed. So if, if this is, if you feel like it's on your heart to serve on your local school board, then observing to see how it works makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'd also encourage people to be a little more comprehensive of that. Maybe view the board meetings for a few other school board meetings, maybe one other that's in your region, mm-hmm. but then at least one or two others from one or two other states. Oh, that's to get a great a, idea. A full sense of what does it look like for school board meetings in different places? Because the school mm-hmm. board meetings you know, here in Texas look a whole lot different than the school board meetings y'all got in California. In California. Like for for starters, ain't none of y'all doing a pledge of allegiance to the Texas flag at the beginning of your board meetings. And I suspect no. many of your board meetings aren't starting with a prayer. No. I believe that is would be correct. Yeah. yeah, I think there's still some that do, but certainly more than less than any other state, probably. But I think it's interesting, like when we look at the school board and, you know, what we see in our practice tends to be the same thing we see with school districts, that things have been done a certain way for a Mm -hmm. long time. And therefore, Mm -hmm. we are going to continue doing it. And people Mm -hmm. run and stay on the board for years and years and years because everyone's like, well, this is the way we've done it. They have experience. Why not just keep them on? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think your perspective on looking at other school boards, especially now that we have a lot of things virtual and you can, you know, go and see other States, other counties, because maybe you are going to, whether you run or whether you're just going to the school board to try to push change, it gives you a perspective of, these are the ways that things could be done. And I think that's really powerful. You know, I started my career working in a full inclusion school, seeing kids fully included in general education. So when I approach IEP meetings and I'm told this is the way we do things or we can't do that, I go, that's a lie. I've seen it with my own eyes. And it's much more powerful to have that passion behind it and say, I want to push for change because I know it can happen when you've seen it. So I think Mm. if parents go and do that with school boards, that's such a brilliant suggestion because I think it would be easy to just be like, well, I've been to four meetings and this is just the way things go. And it makes it harder to challenge the status quo. Yeah, that's certainly the case is that my experience, it's hard for people to move the needle on things when they've never seen it any other way. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the reason I recommend that folks watch board meetings that are outside of your state, because often the status quo within a geographic area is pretty consistent. But once, because I'm working with board members and I start to encourage them to watch board meetings. In fact, we have a whole system of coding board meetings where we'll watch the board meeting and we have a coding manual. And so we'll code it minute by minute exactly what is happening wow, at wow. this board meeting. And as board members do this, they start to notice these wild variations in practice across the nation, you know, from New Hampshire to Idaho, you know, from Maine to Florida to Ohio to California and back to Texas. The, the behaviors of boards looks really different. And it starts to open people's mind. Oh, wait a minute. So this thing that we've always been doing, that's not the only way it can be done. Like, yeah, absolutely, right. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Right. Well, especially because board members aren't necessarily educators or come from the education field. That's, it's that's generally right. not right. a requirement. Nor should it be because that's because their job right. for the board is not to be an educational expert. Right. It's, right. it's not the board's job. The board's only area of expertise is 
in representing the vision and values of the community. That is the expertise that the board brings to the table. In the context of that, then the board says, well, you know what we should probably have is we should probably have an educational expert mm-hmm. on hand to run the district on a day-to-day basis. And so they hire one and we refer to this unfortunate individual as a superintendent. I think the value of having people that are kind of outsiders, it gains different perspectives. And I think if you have a well-rounded board that is really diverse, you're going to get different perspectives. And I think that helps continue to keep things fresh and, and have different perspectives. But just like educators should always be educating on new practices and new research that comes about and, you know, should be constantly learning just like we are the board should be constantly learning too. So I think that perspective of looking at how other school districts do it is really a wonderful perspective. And I wish it was a requirement for school districts to do what you're having them do because it seems like it would be so helpful and it would help progress. Well, there, <laughs> therein the, lies the rub. You know, in, people don't want uh, progress, right? It, There's well, a lot of people who don't want progress. Well, part of the challenge here is that we, we actually across most of the country, I would argue that we're just setting school boards up to fail and that the systems that are Mm. intended to help school board members know how to be great on behalf of the children they serve aren't actually functioning. So for example, in my new book, I think it's in the, actually in the first chapter, my team and I conducted a study of all 50 states where we analyzed what were the training requirements that were laid out in the statute that are unique to school board members. Now you Mm -hmm. think, We're asking these people to govern a school system. We're asking these people to step into the role of being responsible for ensuring that student outcomes are improving. So you'd think that there would be some unique training for that that would be different from the people that you're asking to be on city council, where it's about curbs, sidewalks, potholes, parks, and recreation. That you'd think these two different functions would have two different sets of training. In fully half of the states, that is not the case. In fully half of the states, there are no unique training specific to school board members. Mm. There is separate and apart from whatever other training any other elected official in that state is expected to receive, you know, which is wow. normally around how not to break the law. You know, here's open meetings laws. Here's how not to embezzle, so on and so forth. Yeah. But fully half of the states have no training requirement whatsoever that's unique to school board members. And even of the half that do, only four states in the nation actually have a requirement that school board members learn anything about student outcomes and about how to monitor whether or not student performance is actually improving over time. And and so what happens is when four out of 50, and actually we looked at 52, we included DC and Puerto Rico, when really four out of 52 places don't even require school board members to receive training and whether or not students are learning, then it's not a particular surprise that you right. see school yeah. boards fail. Like it, I, yeah. I don't actually think it's a passion gap. It's not a desire gap. What's written on the hearts of all these board members nationwide is to see greatness in the lives of the children they serve. But when we have systems that set them up to fail, mm-hmm. we can't be surprised when they fail. Yeah, right. So what is one, we've already kind of talked about, okay, parents, you know, kind of get a feel for what school boards do. If a parent would like to try and change a policy or present a problem, would attending the school board, getting on the agenda and speaking be something that they should do? Or is there a different step one? Yeah, probably not. 
That will probably lead more to frustration than anything else. Mm. Uh, the school board meetings are notoriously a horrible place to get things done because that's mm. not really the design of school board meetings. School mm. board meetings are really the place to ratify previously made decisions. Okay. They're not really the place to engage in complex ideation. And so for that purpose, I would encourage family members to sit down. There's one-on-one, invite your board member to, out for coffee. Just sit down one-on-one. Mm. Or actually skip that better plan. Sit down with a group of parents, get clear mm. about what you all think makes sense for your children, yeah, visit yeah. with some of your educators and make sure that what you're talking about makes sense from the educator's perspective as well. And then once you have a well-formed idea, then the group of you sit down with your board member, just one board member at a time. Don't clump them up, visit mm. with them one at a time mm. and just talk to them. Okay. We visited with some of our fellow parents. We visited with some of our educators who we really adore. And here's the thing that we think makes sense. Is this something that you would be willing to take forward and work through the board's process on our behalf? And that's where I would start the conversation. That's so helpful. That that is so helpful. Because I think people see in the media right now that school board meetings are becoming, you know, something that is going viral, right? Because of a lot of the curriculum that people are trying to push or not push for and ban books and all of that. And so people see it as, oh, wow, someone's going viral because of something they're doing at school board meetings. This must be the way that I do it. And that is definitely not the way that you do it. Not productive. Yeah. So if you're concerned with something that's going on in your district, this is to our listeners, you know, this is a wonderful first step and you can find all your school board members information on their website and generally they'll have a directory they have their contact information and because they are public figures they are required to be open to their constituents they can't really say no i won't talk to you right (laughs) (laughs) whether or not they'll do it is a different thing right they can but then this should inform your decisions at the ballot box absolutely i think that human connection is perfect, right? It's not this, go to the school board and have a speech right now. It's like, hey, just get curious, get a couple of parents together, get what you want to say, and then just have a conversation. I think that that's wonderful. They're not scary people. They're not, you know, from their ivory towers. They're, they are there to serve the community. And if you want more information about these systems that are setting up the school boards to fail, please check out AJ's book, Great on their behalf, why school boards fail, how yours can be effective. You know we love a call to action. And I think that, AJ, you you gave our listeners so many wonderful tips that I hope that they can take out and really just start that change. It just takes, it's just baby steps, you guys. <laughs> baby mm-hmm. steps. AJ, thank you. Thank you so much. We might have to have you on again because yeah. I have a feeling we'll get a lot of direct messages from people about, well, this is what happened to me, you know, and we might, maybe we'll do some hypotheticals with you next time. (laughs) Well, definitely. I want to come back because I also have a lot of questions for you all. Like I'm super curious about you all's views around some specific policies that I see boards wrestling with. I'm curious about you all's views around the role of uh, parents and assessment. And I'm super curious about you all's thoughts about the role of some of these AI tools and how they might play into providing accommodations yes. or whatnot. And so, yeah, I got all kinds of questions. You know, oh, yeah. I don't have a podcast, okay. so I just need to take over yours. You know Done. what? You are Done. Done. Host. <laughs> we'll be our guest host. Yeah, so, no. Done. Stick around for part two. We're definitely going to do it because I know that you all learned just as much as we did today. So 
Thank you yeah. again, AJ, so much for being here. And to our listeners, we will talk to you next week. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.